0: Imagine all of your professional or career goals coming true, and you built a business that had a great brand and employed hundreds or thousands of people, but within a span of a few short years, it was completely
1: gone. That's
0: what's happening in American business these days, and we want to know why.
1: Welcome to Brandology.
0: Welcome everyone. I'm your host David Morrow and alongside co-host Mark Mosher, we will be exploring stories of great brands. Throughout this series, you'll hear directly from people who've succeeded in leading. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow. Thanks for joining.
2: And how much things have changed. I think in my opinion for the better in a lot of ways because there's a lot more focus on treating, finding treatments and preventions for diseases that people used the companies used to not um, look look to treat because they couldn't see a way of um, making it a viable from a business perspective. You know now we have the orphan drug status, so you get help um, developing a drug and sometimes fast-track approval because those patients have been waiting, and they've had no treatment, no treatment of their disease. They might have treatments of symptoms, but they have no treatment of their underlying disease. And I think that's great. Um, the, those are the patients we're trying to help.
0: That's amazing. So let me ask you. You know, you are clearly a leader. I know that you're in, you're involved in a lot of um, uh, different organizations as well. But um, p- would you agree? Kind of, people can lead. Regardless of their title, I mean, you happen to be the founder or the CEO, right? But I know other people in, you know, in your organization or even in organizations similar to yours, and and there's always those those people that step up and those people that you know they lead a team or they they are in a different department, but they're they're leaders, right? You know, um, what advice would you give to especially some of the younger people that are starting in in your field? What would be some of the advice that you would give um, to help them chart a course toward leadership?
2: Well, I think when you know what you're good at and why you're good at it and you're being true to following that path, it's like, it's almost like gravity because John Maxwell says the way you can tell is if if you're a leader is turn around and see if anybody's following you. Well, if you're truly being true to yourself, and what you're good at um, no matter what level what it no matter what title you have people are going to follow you because that is always going to be attractive to someone who is interested in achieving that same vision and and they're they're going to want to work together and and i think that um, there are many people that wouldn't call themselves leaders but by the way they live their lives their integrity um, their empathy, um, their humor, um, they actually lead in some ways that are pretty important to the health of human beings that have nothing to do with drugs. <laughs> and the hu- humor is, uh, the studies that have been done on that, you know, laughing is just so good for you. It opens up your mind to new ideas. There's a comedian who's done research on that and it's amazing. So. And so I think that um, and I think there are people that don't realize that people are following them and they're leading in very bad ways and then they have people following them and doing the same wrong things. So I think it's up to all of us to, to act as though someone is going to follow what we do and whenever we set out to do anything and if you would think like someone might follow you and do what you do it might make us more accountable to making sure that we act in ways that are truly worthy of being followed.
1: Now that's really good that's very insightful. With this this culture that you've developed and this brand that um, that you've developed you know how do you protect an organization like that from just common day threats you know whether it be the economy or cybercrime or competition or just how do you keep that reputation in place can you can you elaborate regulation. on that
0: yeah there's, there's tons of regulation how so much in your industry yes yeah.
2: yeah so I mean I think a lot of companies and I've only worked in the life sciences industry so I won't be able to say anything about with the hands-on experience about other industries but as I look at other industries and what I see from the outside is that competition is by far the biggest factor in um, succeeding as a business and in the marketplace. However, I think that the economy and regulation and cybercrime and technology are by far the biggest factors in the life sciences uh, because it's so expensive to develop new drugs. How the economy is doing and whether people are willing to invest in life sciences makes a huge difference because most of the drugs that are the new innovative drugs come out of small companies where maybe five or ten people got together had maybe a a little lab and a few offices all rented and they were passionate about finding the cure or the treatment for a certain disease and they unified around that, and they decided, well, it should be done. So therefore, I should get about trying to do it. And you know, then they get some sort of funding. Um, and if that funding drives up, then the funding for discovery, a lot of discovery in our industry dries up. So um, that's important. And then, from a regulatory standpoint, it's a global world, and and you all realize this too. Um, even though you may make the product in one country, it may be used in clinical trials or sold anywhere in the world. In our case, you have to have FDA approval or an FDA-like organization approval to sell other places. So you have to think about meeting all those regulations. And your industry may be similar, but sometimes the countries that around the world don't align on what their regulations are. And you you have to make totally different things because they've taken the opposite viewpoints on what's the right standard. So you can't make just one batch. You have to make two batches of products in our world um, be, because they've chosen such different standards. Yeah. So Thanks. economy and regulation are huge, and it just seems like the regulation never never ends, I got to go to a fly-in and for a small business session with um, the Indiana Congress people This was several years ago, and they said, you could ask anything, and I said, um, there are so many regulations that, could we have a law that says if you want to put a new one on the books, you have to take 10 off, <laughs> so That's that we funny. would have a chance of keeping up. <laughs>
0: I really don't see
2: that ever (laughs) happening. I know, but I mean, it's like dragging around a bag of bricks everywhere you go. When you look at it from the whole nationwide economy, we have to be as wise and smart and um, thoughtful about what regulations we put in place, because we all know it. You can put all the rules in place you want to, but if they don't align very well to what human norms are, you know, people are going to be violating the regulations because it's so cumbersome to try to comply or so cumbersome to even know how to comply. So maybe you all can help us gather the (laughs) actual data to, what is that called? Big data, or maybe there's a new term now, but really Hmm. figure out how how to make really smart regulations. Um, in the life sciences, the FDA very wisely decades ago made the standard in all their regulations to be called CGMP, current good manufacturing practices. So no matter what the regulation says, if there's somebody out there in the industry that has improved upon that, that becomes the new standard. Oh, wow. So um, that keeps all of us on our toes Uh, so that we do uh, improve our equipment, our technology, our training uh, with a very, with a higher frequency maybe than other industries have to.
1: I would think so. uh, Yeah, you're in a constant state of improvement just to make sure that you're within the guidelines or within the regulation. Uh, That's very interesting. I did not realize that.
2: Yes, and we have to validate everything that we do that has to do with a product that might go into a person or in the animal health arena into a, a cow or a dog. Um, and so it has to be very reliable, a validated process. And our world means that you've tested all the edges to make sure that even if one variable is at one edge and another variable at its other edge, that you're still going to have a safe. An effective product coming out of that manufacturing process.
0: Let me ask you, what what have you seen as as, as we're getting toward toward the end here? We're kind of near wrapping up, but what are you what have you seen in terms of the impact that technology has had, especially in recent years? Like, have you seen? I mean, I, I guess there's there's technology that is involved in, in your operations, right? The people that are running your organization sales, marketing, research, all of that, right? And then I'm sure there's technology involved in the actual testing and development and things. Uh, what have you seen that, is, um, that, that that has helped your brand or impacted your brand? Maybe not positively, maybe it's more frustration because we see technology on both sides, right? It either gets in their way or, or it can be leveraged, the advances in technology can be leveraged. Well, what are you, what
2: have, what's been your experience? Um, well, we started the company um, knowing that technology would be one of our key foundations for success, and we knew that we wanted, no matter where our clients were in the world, we wanted to make sure they had all of the data out of our lab or all of the data out of our manufacturing or supply chain. They have it all at their fingertips. So we actually created a portal. It's not unlike what FedEx or UPS did when they started providing tracking numbers, so you could track everything as it moved uh-huh. along okay makes sense and so that was very unique and it was interesting one of our first um, early clients who was out of um, one of the Scandinavian countries I think um, he had called to, we had done a, a test in our lab and written it all up and then he said well I think you need to review that test and uh, we the scientist wrote all that up to It was supposed to be done in the exact same way. And he said, well, I hate to tell you, but I was in your electronic laboratory notebook system because you give me access to it, which he said I love. Oh, yeah. But you, you didn't do the test the same way the second time. And I said, really? So then, you know, you the customer gives you feedback and you go check it out, and he was exactly right. And I said, OK, <laughs> we will redo it again the same way that we did it the first time to see what result we get And, you know, you won't be charged for either of the second and third times because we didn't do it right the first time. And um, so he said, he goes, yeah, he goes, this transparency can be costly. I said, but this is exactly why we do it because we can we we can make mistakes. And the sooner somebody in the system identifies that an error has been made or we're headed down the wrong path, the faster we can correct course and um, mitigate or even eliminate the problems that are gonna result from making a decision based on the wrong data. And so I think that's been key, and it does. We have clients all the time that are like, this is great, we're one of the few, um, I think we were the first to ever do it in the CDMO industry to make our um, information available. And we talked about confidentiality, so when we make it available, it's gotta be securely available. So only the people involved in that project our clients can actually see what's going on with right, their like, project.
0: like levels of access right like some people can mm-hmm. see some things you know like legal counsel don't legal counsel may not need to see certain aspects of intellectual property but scientists may not need to see the finances or the or the legal jargon right mm-hmm. so it's limiting like the gateways and the pathways for stuff like mm-hmm. that which all it's very common in the industry and it makes perfect sense
2: Yes, so you have to you have to set up ways to create those. I'm going to call them silos of security for mm-hmm. a client's um, uh, data and information. And then you have to also create layers because within a client, they may want people to only have access to certain data, and others to have just like you said, have access to different data or all the data. So you have to be prepared to um, solve. To provide that solution. So it's been interesting. But in terms of technology, I can tell you it has been a game-changer for the life sciences industry because we have so much data and it's over so much time. As you can imagine, how much change happens to IT systems and software over a 10 to 15 year period of time?
0: (laughs) Oh, it's completely transformed. Every every three to five years it's completely different.
2: Uh, Yes, so so you have to put all that together, because in uh, our world, you can't leave data out. You know, there are places where you can pick and choose what data you want to submit. In our world, you can't leave data out. You get a bad data point, and you researched it, and you couldn't find out why it happened. You still have to report it, and it's, you know, an, an unknown, unknown cause. But you still have to report it so that when the regulators make decisions, they're using it, they're making a wise decision based on all the data. Um, so we have very unique um, needs. And then when you look at the clinical trials that we do in patients, they're either healthy patients or they're patients that have the disease that we're trying to find a solution to. Um, all of the data collected from them, and it could be the medical tests that they do, getting all that data back. Were you testing for blood pressure? Were you taking um, a test of their blood or urine or tissue samples or something like that? All of that data has to be put in there. And then all the notes they take, almost every clinical trial, the patient takes notes about what they experience, So you have all of that data too. So it's a lot, a lot of data. So if we didn't have IT, and we were still doing it hard copy like we were when I first started in the industry back in the 80s. I I don't know what we'd do. Well, we wouldn't yeah. be able to work on a new product because there's no way we could handle the data. There's like a thousand people involved. A thousand people are more involved in developing a new drug. And I can't remember how many pages of data and reports actually go into a regulatory authority now. But I know back in like the nineties, the paint, when it was put, sent in on paper, it took semi truckloads of reports to get it to the FDA. Wow. That's incredible.
0: Well, and and, you know, that's what we, that's one of the things we talk about with um, midsize to large organizations um, and even in to some degree in, in some of this, the startup organizations, but that is, you know, 25 years ago, if there's a, you know, if something like a cyber attack occurred 25 years ago or systems were down 25 years ago, we still had a pen and paper version of everything. It was really two systems that were running um, simultaneously, right, there was an electronic version and, and we still had all of the paper and, and non-digital processes in place still. That's not the case, it hasn't been the case for quite a while. When systems are down, people can't function. And so it just becomes right. all the more important to stay functional, to stay updated, and to protect a brand from outside threats.
2: Well, I look at just during this current COVID season, I mean, our economy would be suffering so much more than it has. And so many more people would have been um, not going to work. If it weren't for remote work oh, yeah, and absolutely. having the technology to connect you, I think I think we would be suffering so much more. So, I mean, thank goodness. Thank goodness you guys do what you do and others do similar things so that you know, when, when the COVID season came upon us, we had an option. And the option was is to figure out how to have as many people work remotely as possible so that those people who had to go on site to do their jobs were kept as safe and protected as possible. They weren't interacting with people that didn't need to be there, who could do their jobs remotely.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and, and now the risk comes in as people start to migrate back. All of the all of the data that has been displaced, right, and are sitting in personal devices or at home, and there's documents saved here and documents saved there and kids are playing Fortnite on the device that has intellectual property on it and it's just like oh my it's such a complex web that we have to kind of untangle to get everybody back
2: well and i think we had made this decision and had it almost totally completed because we have e-transparency and our clients can use that but our employees can use that and it's you know it's a remote desktop thing so if they have to go in and check something at work but they're not really it nothing ends up on their uh, local device even if they use a, a um, it's,
0: it's almost like so a Citrix fixed. farm kind of it's almost like a uh, it's, 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 it's a thin client scenario where everything is saved onto the core drive not onto the right desktop, so but into the right
2: board. but we had just almost completed changing everybody over to a device um, that was, oh. that they do everything on the Singoda device. And so we just had to, we had to find a couple more compu- uh, laptops to do that. So we have half of our 70 people will work remotely and have for however many months this has been going on. And we were just fortunate because everything, it's, it's one thing to log in and check if your assay is running well in the lab and look at the data that's coming off it's another thing to do your job for eight or ten hours a day however long you do it and do it from that sort of remote um, desktop so they each have a single computer to be doing the work from because they may have children doing their virtual school work on their home computer right right Well, that's
1: good. I really, really appreciate you spending time with us. Um, it was very insightful. It was very inspirational. Um, I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to go back and, and, as well as I know, several of the listeners will, and listen to it again just for some personal mantras, right? I've got some of my own that, it, you know, if you fall down, fall forward, and if you can never reach a goal if you never set a goal. But you had some new ones that I, I couldn't write down fast enough, so I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again. But as we wrap this up, we like to end it with kind of a, um, just a lighter personal question. And it's interesting, this this is probably one of the few episodes where I may actually know the answer to this question before I ask it. Um, So as a child, as you were growing up, what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: I love this question. (laughs) Well, and I can tell you specifically what I told people when I was like five years old. I didn't speak until I was four years old. um, And I didn't, and then I had a lot of speech impediments. But at five years old, I was asked this. A group of my my aunts and my mom and grandparents, all the women in the family, were sitting around, and they asked me, "Well, what do you want to be when you grow up?" And in my little five year old mind, said, "Tall." <laughs>
0: That's
2: great. And they they said, "Well, why do you want to be tall?" And in my little five year old mind, I was like, "Well, if I'm short." If I go interview for a job, they won't be able to see me in the chair <laughs> across the desk. And, you know, probably from watching a few too many dick man Dyke shows and things like that, you know, my <laughs> thought was, that, well, when you go interview for a job, you sit on the other side of the desk. And right now I'm too short to be seen right. <laughs> from the other side. But I think the thought is, you know, if you really try to be who you're supposed to be and be the best at it, you're going to be tall no matter Matter what your physical height is, you're going to be tall because you've chosen to do things in your life that really align with the best of who you actually are.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. That is great. That's really good.
0: Can't think of a better way of ending it. That is great. No, thank you so much. You know, well, thank you. You made it very easy.
2: Thank you.
0: (laughs) This is great. This is this is our uh, this is our inaugural our our very first episode we may even break this we will probably break this up into two parts so that there's the inaugural one and then inaugural part two um because i really want people to pay attention to uh the messages that you've uh, yep. um, provided yep. for us
2: that's great okay and if after you listen to this you find out well you really re- you need to review this one because we really couldn't tell what you were saying if you're involved in the conversation it's easier for the flow so just let me know if you need me to redo something since I know oh, sure. today sure. today is maybe not my best day.
0: No, it's, it's, I, I think you're, you're one of the days that you struggle on are still better than many people's best days. I will very second that motion.
1: Yeah.
2: I will second
0: Thank you. I'm sure it will be very inspiring to a lot of people.
2: So, yes, I've, I've done. A, I think you know. Whenever you crawl around under your desk and plug and unplug things in your computer, and <laughs> and you remember how old you really are, and that I believe uh, that was
0: your IT company asking you to do that. Let me talk to the director of the yeah, company to to, we need to who to <laughs> could <laughs> not figure out a way other than to have the CEO of a major company crawl around under her desk. So
2: I will <laughs> speak to I him and find out why that was happening. Yeah. I didn't mention this, but it's um, and other CEOs of small companies that have agreed. Um, I think I got this from Wade Lang, uh, who is also a pharmacist from Purdue and a a really wonderful person. But we were sitting around talking. He had start. He was the CEO of a little firm that was even smaller than Singoda at the time, and uh, we're like. You know, people think these letters CEO behind our names, you know, they, they just have all of these wrong ideas about what it means to be a CEO of a startup or a small company. And we determined that, or he determined that the correct letters would be W I T, whatever it takes. Yeah, that's exactly right? Right. <laughs> I like that. If, yeah. if it takes crawling underneath the desk, that's if what we gonna, do.
1: Then that's what's going to get done.
2: Exactly, yeah, I, because it's. It's on
0: the critical path. That's exactly right. uh, One of the companies I had worked for years ago, um, the founder and the CEO was loading up computer iPads and things in his own personal Jeep on a weekend and driving them to some client and unloading them himself with his son. And people were like, what are you doing? He's like, what do you think CEO means? It means it's Mm -hmm. Sunday afternoon. It's got to get done.
2: Like, hmm exactly yeah. right.: Yes. I always say that um, the hardest part about the job is everybody who had frontline and maybe midline responsibility for getting something done, and then something went wrong, there's at least two levels of trying to fix it before it gets to you, and mm-hmm. most of the time has been used up in which you get to gather a lot of data to try to help solve the problem. And I said, you know, I wish I had that book of all the right answers to all the hard questions. So that, you know, they sort of come in looking at looking at you like, okay, we tried everything, what's the answer? Like we're somehow a teacher <laughs> <laughs> that, has the, that has the teacher's book with all the, ans- the right answers. That right, you've you, you got the on.
1: answer key. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I said, what I have is a lot of questions and maybe because I haven't been directly involved, I can ask good questions to see how much you do know and what we can do with it. But I'm generally not going to have the answer that solves the problem. No. Um, and not, not in that short of time, but I said between everybody who's been involved, I'm sure we can come up with the best answer we can possibly come up with if we just sit down and and um, start asking good questions and answering them. So that's what we try to do. But I do find it amazing that if you have a certain title people look at you like oh well you must be smarter than everybody else or you must be have be very wise or I think a lot of people who are great leaders they're just they're just very committed to achieving a very good goal and they're willing to do what it takes to move in the direction of achieving that goal yep yeah. and it's, it's a goal that's way beyond what one person can do and it's And it's important to so many people that it be done, that the goal be accomplished.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: Okay. Well, is there anything else?
0: No, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Hope you're enjoying this episode. We try and make this a podcast which we ourselves want to listen to. We want it to be good. We welcome suggestions, ideas for topics, or even suggested guests to be interviewed. Help us make this something great. Imagine all the work you do every day being featured on a podcast which really emphasizes the meaning of why you do what you do. Something shining a spotlight on all of your effort. This is that place. This is that podcast. Reach out to our team with suggestions or if interested in advertising at brandologypodcaststaff at gmail.com brandologypodcast.com Staff at gmail.com for details.
1: Hey, David, really went well. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up.
0: No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it.